Hey everybody, it's Rob Liefeld and we are at another Observations. Thank you for listening to the Observations podcast. I love bringing it to you. I love talking to you guys. I love uh, sharing with you guys all of these crazy comic book topics um, over the years. What's going on now? What's going on then? Really uh, gr- great, great times with you guys. I love talking comics. We're going to get right into it. We left off in our last installment uh, of, of 1991 Mutant Genesis. That's a mouthful. You know it. I know it. Your mom knows it. Your dad knows it. Your dog knows it. Mutant Genesis. It was the big event. Summer of 1991. I don't know why it wasn't Summer of X. Maybe that sounded too much like sex. I don't know. You figure it out. But uh, Mutant Genesis. I left out Excalibur. I thought I, I forgot about that book being launched as well. I didn't pay as much attention to that one, even though, you know, it doesn't have an X worked in. It was a great book, always top-notch, uh, launched with the beautiful Alan Davis and Chris Claremont, but it was X-Factor, it was X-Men, Uncanny, X-Men, X-Force, Excalibur. It started with X-Force, number one, which blew through, selling five million. Yeah, I like sharing that. Yeah, I'm amazed by it. Truth be told, uh, I really believe that record would fall. It, it, it is now 30 years later, uh, we're coming up. A few months from the 30-year mark, uh, you know, 2021 will be 30 years, 30-year uh, anniversary for Deadpool and for X-Force, and and I literally believed at one point that those would fall. I I, I thought maybe maybe gyms would be safe because it was um, in the eight million range, and and five of those covers that all connected, and then the one that you know had all of them. I mean, really great marketing by the guys at Marvel, but. 8 million with X-Force, 5 million, no, 8 million with X-Men, 5 million with X-Force. And uh, I just, I kind of thought, especially with the way they started pushing aggressively, because it had gone 3 million with Spider-Man and 5 million with X-Force and 8 million with X-Men and the hunger, there was a sense of accomplishment from the Marvel guys that they had really done something, that they had really um, pushed this through. And and there was a sense, and, and you'll hear me uh, give the marketing guys all their due, but sometimes marketing guys begin to believe that it's all about them. And I think what we found out in this era is that it just wasn't that case. Um, three guys, myself, Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee, it is unequivocally uh, factual. I mean, you cannot get around the fact. It is, it is, it is uh, in cement that the three of us caught a fever with the fans, okay, um, irrevocably uh, so, okay, I just, the, the proof is in the pudding, the numbers from when I got on New Mutants, Jim got on X-Men and Spider-Man was um, joined with Todd, that, that, that the numbers just exploded, and we were able to carry that out for, for much of, of the rest of our career, I believe I have a uh, 34, almost 35 year career as a result of it, but Mutant Genesis kicked off with X-Force number one, and uh, wrapped up with X-Men. And so that's June, July, August. But this event takes us right to the fringe, to the end of summer. Summer always ends in that third week of uh, of September. And in the fourth week of September, you guys were treated to an event that, that, that came out of all this. Because without X-Force, there is no X-Force to team up with Spider-Man. And uh, you guys got sabotage. <laughs> Right? Okay, I uh, I, I just, I, I, I got to try my best to do the Beastie Boys right, but... Da, da, 
Awesome. Awesome stuff. Sabotage. So there is some history, all sorts of stuff going on with sabotage that I'm going to share with you today because uh, every part of sabotage brings me a big fat smile. I'm grinning ear to ear. It, re- it reminds me of a crazy time. The craziness doesn't speak to the sales. The craziness speaks to the just rabid competitiveness between Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, and Jim Lee. And, and, and look, that competitiveness shaped comic books. It shaped a giant corner of the comic book universe for a decade. There's no arguing it did not shape the comics universe for over a decade. And, uh, you know, I, I would hearken it and to, to uh, as you guys know, I'm a huge NBA guy. I would, I would compare it to the best, I, think, I guess we could compare it to is Magic, Bird, Michael. Um, I, you know, maybe, maybe Kobe Shaq. There is definitely some Kobe Shaq coming, coming in, in this. Uh, I'll, I'll break that down, especially the big brother, little brother, little buddy stuff that, 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 that Shaq used to drop on Kobe. But look, they're competitive, okay? Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. These guys are competitive. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the three guys from the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Durant broke out. He broke through. Maybe he made some ruthless moves to, to get him there, but these are big players on the big stage. And in comic books, we were the big players on the big stage. Like I said, Marvel would then pursue initiatives uh, to get sales along the lines of hologram covers. Big buck, a big spend, a big spend on a cover. That is expensive. As you guys know, when I had my own studio, um, it was hard not to get into the business of the gimmicky covers because the printer would fly in to visit Extreme and Wildstorm and Image and Todd with his McFarlane Productions and Eric Larson and Marvel and DC. The printer was going everywhere because you know who was making out like crazy during the the, the, the flush of the 90s, especially after, uh, I mean, really, the, 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 the Spider-Mans were polybagged and I was polybagged with trading cards and Jim was just, just, uh, just, just art that connected. So, so none of us had enhancements yet. We didn't have like gold foil, hologram, die cut, glow in the dark, you know, uh, 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 you know, applications on our covers. But once that started, and once the first guy dove in, then the printer uh, started flying around to uh, every studio, and he'd open his briefcase and he'd be like, oh, we can do this now. We have thermal ink. Some of you guys saw that I would go down the deep dive with thermal ink on the cover of Blood Strike Number 1 a couple years later, rub the blood, because I'm like, wait, this if, if there's heat, this vanishes. So I figured, well, I'll blood splatter the cover, and if I blood splatter the cover, and then if you rub the blood, it vanishes. The, the, the heat of your finger caused the ink to evaporate. It still works. I took out a couple of those covers last week. I did the whole pressure with my thumb and boom, the ink is gone. Once my thumb is removed, you know, scant seconds later, the blood, it, it um, restores itself. That, that, that thermal ink, that's what it was called. I, I was introduced to that by the printer, he just said, we have thermal ink that can disappear. It was then on me to make it into something that could work. And that's when I said, blood splatters, rub the blood, okay? Um, you know, the, the holograms, the die cuts, the gold foil, all that stuff. So so, so uh, a die cut is like when Mark Silvestri's, I think it was, was it Wolverine 75, uh, where they, they ripped, the, the, the claws ripped through 
the uh, the, the cardstock cover and underneath you saw the file that like clearly the claws were trying to get to. That was an expensive, that was an expensive enhancement. That is not cheap. But but they also didn't acetate cell like for cage number one. It was like an animated cell. And I got to be honest, I'm like, oh, this is selling a million. It didn't. Marks didn't sell a million. The acetate cover didn't sell a million. The holograms didn't sell a million. Who sold a million was Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, and Todd McFarlane. What would eventually sell a million was an event that we're about a year out from, maybe no, about two years out from at this point, with uh, with Su Superman. So that event, an event got people excited, okay? And even then, there was poly bags involved with that, and there was all sorts of, you know, that, that, that they were um, chasing kind of the same in the same realm as we had done with X-Force and Spider-Man. But but again, the, the, the really expensive enhancements in that age, I thought we were going to find another gazillion seller. And we didn't. I always say we went from three to five to eight and never to revisit a million again outside of the death of Superman. Like, But at Marvel, they did not. And, it's, and, and, in, and if you guys remember, in 2015, Marvel got the Star Wars license back, okay? And they put out 62 covers it's 62 it's 65 it's a 60 and that's when i was like oh man this is when it's fallen star wars is back at marvel everybody's back into star wars jj was making the you know the the star wars movie and uh and and, and which was coming out a year later I, I believe it was january of, of, of 2015 that star wars was relaunching february it was early early you know you, were, you weren't going to get the force awakens until uh, Christmas, you know, a full 12 months later, but, but Marvel got the license back. Marvel with Star Wars was like when I was a kid, oh my gosh, it was, it was, it was hitting all the nostalgia buttons. Marvel and Star Wars is where Star Wars as a comic began. It's part of the original juice that Lucasfilm, uh, you know, pushed through. I've covered it in my podcast. Go back and find that podcast. It's in the early, like episode three, four, where I talk about how Stan Lee was not convinced that Star Wars was the way to go. And he was absolutely 100% against it. But Roy Thomas argued that this was probably going to be a good idea. And what do they have to lose? And 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 Marvel was bleeding red ink all over the place. And Star Wars, those books gave them millions of dollars and restored the black ink and put them in profits. That is Jim Shooter verifying that. That is Roy Thomas verifying that. And that is Stan Lee who writes about it in the foreword to one of the Star Wars books. So... You know, when they were coming back to Marvel, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be at 60 covers. This is going to be like four, five million. Nope, not a million. Didn't sell a million. 60 covers did not get you a million. That is ridiculous. That's when I thought, holy crap, these, these records are probably going to stand for a while. And they could still fall, but where am I going to tumble to? Number three? I mean, I'm, 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 my, and then Todd turns to number four. I mean, uh, we're doing good. We're, we're up there. It, time is time has been kind to us, has been kind to our accomplishments. So that summer, given that X-Force was the big deal, and, and I think you guys also remember at one point, I was, uh, you know, I was, I'm competitive. I want to stay alive. I want to stay in the game. So I had called Todd McFarlane and asked him, hey, dude, you know, um, what do you think I'm going to do? Oh, but, oh, uh, what, what, what's an X-Force? I mean, uh, if, you, if, you, if you do a mill, Count yourself lucky, bud. I mean, I mean, take a bow, a mill for a bunch of characters uh, no one's heard of. And you're like, yeah, right. In my head, I'm like, I'm doing better than a mill. Like, didn't know I was going to do five mil. Holy crap. Okay. So that's a big, 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 big deal. 
uh, big accomplishment. And then Jimmy was coming, X-Men. There was no way it was not going to be, um, you know, a, a bigger seller than X-Force and Spider-Man. It was going to be the one that rang the bell. Funny enough, I have on my lap the, the gold X-Force number one because at $5 million we sold out and there was re- enough reorders to justify going back to press. So we added to our $5 million and went slightly over with the gold. If you get the gold, is hard to get, man. It's 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 uh, it was in abundance back then. They even took New Mutants '87 back to press that month that X Force number one launched. They packed and stacked the deck so that there would be tons of X dollars going your way. But uh, so X Force, those characters, Cable uh, debuts in January of 1990. Okay, that's when you got New Mutants '87, and 18 months later, he and Shatterstar, who you'd never heard of before, Domino, who you'd never heard of before, uh, Farrell, who you'd never heard of before, Deadpool, who you've never heard of before, these guys are walking across the multi-million dollar threshold and for a brief period were the number one book in the history of comics. And now they reside as the number two. I'm super excited, super stoked, because like I said, this isn't Wolverine. This wasn't Spider-Man. These were characters that you had never heard of prior with Shatterstar, Domino, Deadpool, um, and Feral, uh, and the moniker of Warpath, you, you had not been with those characters more than five months. Okay. Cable, Cable makes it 18 months, but the rest of them came in, in early 91. Uh, and then, you know, New Mutants, New Mutants 100 is February. Okay. That's when the team is assembled and that's when you finally get Shatterstar and Feral in action 99 and 100. And so I'm proud of this. Yeah, of course. How, how am I not proud of it? I'm 23, 22, 22 years old, 1990, 22 years old. And, 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 and these books are blowing up and, um, you got to understand, here's the deal. Um, I, because, uh, I, I got in so, so early in my career at 18 years old, I was able to get further, faster, younger. Okay. Um, you know, had I broken in, in my twenties, you're, you never get any of this stuff. I'm, I'm then coasting on whatever wave that Todd and Jim met because I'm certain that those paths would have still crossed. But because I was able to get hired at a young age, because some of you guys have always, you, you guys are so generous and you talk to me through all the different social media and one, not one, a couple of you have been like, you're this weird mix of 70s, 80s, 90s, man. And it's true, but it's it only works because I got in at such a young age. I mean, I can't change that I was seven when I encountered my first comic book that I fell in love with. But what, what I can affect is that I got, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I got into comics at seven and, and, and when I was 18, I got hired, right? I mean, that is crazy. That, that is, that is 11 years later. I am in the business 11 years from the liquor store getting Avengers, you know, 145. I am in the comic book business at such a young age that I'm able to enact some real, um, affect some change, uh, make a mark. And, and so what this brings is that sabotage. So when you see sabotage on the stands, and here's the funny thing, my X-Force 4, okay, that, uh, that wraps up the sabotage issue, my, my, the, the, the three parter that starts in X-Force 3 goes to Spider-Man and then goes to, um, go, goes to X-Force 4. That issue is in your hands in the last week of September. So this podcast is going to air in the last week of September. Okay. So, so we are literally, literally 29 years, almost 30 years out when, when we are, 
um, anniversary of this coming out that I have gotten to this place in the timeline. You can't plan, plan this stuff. It, it, it says it came out the week of September 24th, which if you give it seven days, that this is when this is happening. That's 29 years at the time of this writing that this came out. So it's funny that this is being discussed on the anniversary of the week that this thing came out 29 years ago, uh, as when you're listening to this, um, which I think is a kick, a real kick. But if you're getting it in September, as you did, if you're getting X-Force 4 in September and you're getting X-Force 3 in August. So again, when X-Men 1 launches, Sabotage is starting. So it is the part, it is the summer of Mutant Genesis, okay? And then it continues into right up until the first week of fall. So, so Mutant Genesis, uh, this Sabotage falls under that Mutant Genesis umbrella. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. And I, do, I don't believe we talk about these things, but why not? It's, it's, it's water under the bridge. It's a long time ago. It's filled with a lot of uh, 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 kicks and giggles, okay? So, so again, if you're getting X-Force in June, uh, it was solicited in an April catalog for June. And I was working on it in, in March, okay? In April, because yeah, again, New Mutants... 100 is in your hands in February. So again, whenever you get the comics, you know, and then you go, oh, well, I read, I, I've been anticipating this since I read about it in the catalog. Well, it had to have been at least a month before the catalog for it to be in the catalog because you have to get that information and hand it in and then they collate it, create a catalog and hand that into the printer or diamond for their catalog to get into your hands. So I am doing X-Force and, and now the buzz is coming and I get a call one day and it's Mighty Todd McFarlane. He has been, you know, number one for a year now. And if you've never known anybody who's number one, they don't like to give that up. They don't like to concede that 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 seat, okay? Whether you're a number one franchise, whether you're a number one TV show, whether you're the number one movie. I mean, we live in the who's number one, who's number one, how long are they number one? You know, what 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 was their number one numbers compared to the other number one numbers in all the, you know, dick contests? I mean, everybody's measuring, right? I mean, everybody at all times, I'm guilty of it. I can't speak of it in a judgy way because I'm guilty of doing it myself. Um, it's interesting also. There, there's, okay, there are guys in this business um, who have looked at me at dinner. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of you, Joe Casada, who said, I've never had the number one column. And he said that to me about six years ago. And, and, he, and I know he hasn't since. And you go, What? And, and you think about all those guys in the business who've never topped the charts. I didn't mean, I didn't say number one bestseller of all time or second. I said never had a number one ranked comic. It's not as hard. It's not as easy as you think it is to get. It's hard. Sometimes they're definitely um, selected and picked. Even right now, there are favorites at both companies. Books they want to achieve that number one status that will keep things under control because they decided to call some writer up and pay that writer a guarantee of $2 million for that year. Well, you bet you bet your bottom dollar that they are going to make sure that that book launches with whatever it takes, 40 covers, whatever, uh, the most marketing, the most in-house posters, the most online, they get, they, they get the expensive trailer that they put out on the internet because they need that book. They need to justify that they said, yo, this dude's worth it. Back in my day, we made it on royalties, okay? Do you understand? The first million-dollar check I got, I got off royalties, okay? I got off royalties. I got off sales earned. That's how it's supposed to be done, okay? Even, even when they sign you to a big contract, they're hoping that the, that money comes back in the form of, a, uh, of, of, of sales that you generate. But for the most part, when you see um, Taylor Swift 
b- making hundreds of millions of dollars. You guys know the, the the deal. She's making that off 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 copies of the album that she's selling that you're buying, and those royalties, whatever her cut is, is what's giving her seven homes, a mansion, you know, uh, you know, uh, in, in the Hamptons, in Beverly Hills, uh, swanky New York real estate, all that stuff that's earned. Okay, in, in, in as artists. You know, we earn that stuff. And then in, 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 in TVs and movies, you get paid based on your box office, okay? If, uh, you know, Tom Cruise is able to go, yo, when I play an action hero, I make a certain amount of money. So they go, we'll give that to you because we're confident those sales are going to come back. But in comic books for years and years and years, it was made on royalties. Royalties, royalties, royalties. Did You earned your money by the connection you made with the fans, by the sales that you generated. Youngblood number one would go on to sell a million cop- copies. Now I'm getting all the money. I'm not getting five cents on every copy. I'm getting a dollar, a dollar fifty, a dollar twenty a book. It makes a difference. Okay, so earned sales, earned sales is based on royalties. But even now, there are guys who decide, wait, we want this book to be the big dog, and we're gonna scheme to make that so because we gotta justify that we told our bosses and the higher ups that we had draw up the co- contracts that that yeah remember I told you that so and so was a big deal now a couple of these guys have belly flopped in recent years at both companies and there's been a mad scramble to justify some people some of the higher ups it's cost them their jobs they 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 went on a limb they thought they made a good signing except they got that guy on the way down when he's tired when he's burned out. When he's no longer um, got a connection with fans, he doesn't have the vehicles. Maybe the vehicles that he, he rode in on on one company aren't the same vehicles that are welcoming to him at the other company. Whatever it is, um, it, it, you get fired if you agree to give a guy a rate that is astronomical. I was with on a flight with another executive just about two, uh, two years ago. This, 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 yeah, about two years ago, and this executive would not own this hire. That's not my hire. I didn't. I didn't sign off on that. That that, that was this guy. Well, it cost that guy that, that this guy in quotes. It cost this guy his job because he devoted way too much money to a guy who was tired, who should be, uh, who who was no longer doing anywhere near the the sales that that at the peak with all of the machinery around him at the other company was pushing him to higher sales. So royalties. I got a page rate. I probably got paid two hundred and fifty dollars a page in 1991 to make X-Force number one, but then I got a $900,000 check off 5 million sales because I I was the writer, I was the penciler, and I was the inker. The only thing I didn't get was the dialogue uh, portion, the word balloons, okay? But out of a four-point royalty, I got 3.5 points, okay? That's a lot. And, 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 And when that check came, that was that was game changing. It had already hit me with New Mutants 100. Okay, the royalties. New Mutants 100 selling a million again. I'm the writer, I'm the penciler, I'm the inker. I'm just not doing the dialogue. Dialogue gets a little smidgen. That smidgen goes out. I, I get the other, um, you know, basically 75 percent, two thirds, and it made all the difference in the world. And so royalties was what put us over. And you know, again, nowadays we have crowdfunding. That's for another time. Um, royalties is like a lost art. Nobody wants to give that uh, a chance. It, it was a different time. You, you're, you were driven by how much you sold and maybe that was the difference in how much effort you put on the page, how much desperation you approached. As you guys know, I was paying, uh, I was trying to take care of my family, my mom, my dad, my dad, who got just 
if I haven't been really clear before, he got his ass kicked by cancer and brain tumors and, and comas and long recoveries and losing sight in one eye and his entire face being numb. And yeah, I can do this all day. I won't. But you guys, that was my motivation. But then you get to the top of the, the food chain. You're on the top of the mountain and there's going to be a fight. And Todd McFarlane had been on the top of the mountain for the entire year. Spider-Man launching. I mean, just think of it. Launching at $3 million, what's your What's your... You know, what's the aggregate in terms of where you're going to fall in terms of your, 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 your percentage? We always look at, oh, this movie, you know, opened $100 million. If it only falls $30 million next week, it'll make $70 million in its second week. And then they do the numbers. And then the third week, oh, my gosh, it only fell 15%. It made $50 million in its third weekend. So you look at that aggregate. Spider-Man had a long way to get back down to earth after it launched to $3 million. Look, I can tell you, X-Force number two sold 1.7 million copies, Okay. We were still doing a million on issue two because there was, with one cover, no enhancement, no no variants, nothing. One single cover, okay? X-Force 2, Deadpool, he's back. We blew it out. But Todd McFarlane had been one for a while. And he calls me up because the summer of Mutant Genesis is coming. And I get the call. Hey, bud, bud, Toddy. <clears throat> oh... What, what 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 month is uh what what month is is, is Jimmy's book, book uh, launching? Everybody knows Todd. Uh, just just he knows that whenever he asks asks you a question, he already knows the answer. Every single partner he has knows this. Um, I'm telling you right now, it's it's he leads with these questions. What 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 what, what month is uh is, is is Jimmy's book uh launching with? It's like Todd, you know it's August. Come on, what are you talking about? Oh, what what. <clears throat> what if what if we did something special? What what if uh if X Force and Spider Man team up? And uh, ha, I was like, sure, man, that's that's found action. Not, I mean, that that is gonna give my book buzz. It's gonna give his book buzz. And he goes, bud, we need to we need to cross over and have the books cross over in August, and and uh. And, and, and we'll give that X-Men a run. We'll give it a run. And, and, and I believe at that point, Todd had intended that that issue be his last. He was like, I'm, I'm going to ride off into the sunset and, uh, and not look back. And, and that was his, uh, his, his idea in regards to how he wanted to end the run was with, uh, was, was with this crossover. Now, you know, again, Todd had had his Craven storyline. Then he, then he had six issues of Wolverine and again if you don't think that was meant to keep him on top Wolverine Wendigo are like uh you know candy to 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 kids like cake to kids I mean and now it's Spider-Man Wendigo and 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 Wolverine and a six-parter I mean that was a big deal uh you know um that was again meant to keep him on top Todd liked being on top we all like being on top uh Todd was was willing to fight for it okay and uh, and this call comes and he's like, what what do you think if we we teamed up? And uh, we'll, we'll launch in August. I'll talk to Jim. That's his editor, Jim. And uh, and, and you, you talk to Bob. And I said, okay, sounds good. So I call up Bob Harris. I said, hey Bob. Uh, so 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 Todd wants to cross over. I think Spider Man in uh, in in X Force had worked. You know, I've got the storyline with Juggernaut and, and Black Tom. And they're taking the World Trade Center, you know, hostage and uh, the Twin Towers. And and uh, and it, this would be perfect because, you know, Spider-Man could swing right into this. 
in, 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 in the midst of all the melee, join the scrum. He and X-Force can battle Juggernaut. And then we get out. So Todd gets a really kick-ass issue with X-Force and, and, uh, and Spider-Man. And, and, and it swings back. And then I wrap it up. And, and uh, Bob's like, yeah, I'm not sure it can happen in August. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a problem. I mean, you know that the whole focus is Jim's book. I go, yeah, I'm fine. Because you got to understand, my tummy is full. Everyone told me X-Force couldn't do it. I was denied X-Force. So in my mind, I'm like, I, I, I'm super happy. X-Force has launched. It broke records. It's connected with a huge fan base. It's connected with you guys, the guys listening to this right now. Um, you guys bought those books. You, 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 uh, enough to get a gold reprint, a second printing on X-Force number one, okay? And uh, so I'm just, I'm just ecstatic. I already, and, and X-Force number two with Deadpool. Again, X-Force... It's in it's in Marvel Age. I think I cited this in a, in a recent episode. 102. Marvel Age 102 where I'm clearly outlining my plan for the year. And I'm like, we're bringing Deadpool back in, in issue 6 of X-Force. And that was not on the table anymore because of Deadpool's popularity. Yes, his ridiculous popularity. His 780,000 connecting issue popularity. Um, he's also a trading card in X-Force 1, which means at least a million comics had an, a Deadpool trading card and fact file in the first issue because we had to work in Deadpool somehow. Bob Harris was like, we got to get Deadpool in there. You guys, I, I'm going to say this again and again and again, and there are people out there who they try and diminish this, and you just can't. You can't make the calendar. You, unless you're a time traveler, you can't change this, and I haven't met any time travelers yet, but I've met a lot of hateful ogres who want to tell me that uh, Deadpool is not popular because of me. And if you can tell the big smile on my face right now, it's hard for me not to break out laughing from my brain and my notepad and the names, the origin, the situation, the powers, the tying into Weapon X, all of it is something that I had proposed. We put forth, he connected the red and the black. That was me, you know, trying to do my version of Spider-Man because I needed a guy without a face who was faster to draw because I had deadlines and I loved bounty hunters and it was perfect. And Tolliver was my Jabba, Jabba the Hutt and, and, and Deadpool was my, uh, was my Boba Fett hunting down my Han Solo who was Cable and everybody had history. And people were thrilled and excited. And let's be honest, that New Mutants 98 cover kicks ass. It kicks all sorts of ass. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna own that. It's fun. It's a cool image. It never stops getting old. And uh, and then X Force number two, we had to move it up because Bob Harris, my editor, is like Rob. The fans demand it. So when you see because you demand it, I've lived through that. That's a real thing. X-Force is because of you guys. New Mutants 100 is because of you guys. Deadpool is because of you guys. In Deadpool, in X-Force number two, 1.7 million copies, no enhancements, okay? But we're building out that story. Black Tom, Juggernaut, they're making moves. They're making power moves. Um, Todd decides to give Tom DeFalco a call because he's like, oh, bud, oh, I, I think they're, they're, they're telling me I, I, can't, I can't do the tie-in until, until September. Ah. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm gonna. Why, why don't you bring this up with the Falco? Uh, I mean, you you got the hot book. I said I'm not bringing it up with the editor in chief, Todd. Nope, I'm good. If it's bumped till uh, September, I'm I'm okay. If, if <laughs> that that's fine with me. And and so my buddy Marat Michaels, you guys, Marat Michaels, you guys, he was my um, he was over at the house here not too long ago, and my kids who have known him and and, and see him as like an uncle. Except here's the deal. Here's the thing you got to remember. Mar Marat and I haven't done anything transactional in over 
10 years. Murat has not worked for me. I don't give him paychecks. We don't exchange, um, you know, it, it, we just exchange brotherly love and, 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 and uh, friendship. And uh, Murat tells my kids who they've known Murat their whole life. They say, how long have you known our dad? And Murat says, I, I met him when I was 12 and he was 16 and he's not lying. The LA conventions up at the Biltmore Hotel that were put on once a month and they'd have Marv Wolfman and they'd have Paul Galassi and Al Milgram and George Perez, just one guest. They had James Cameron bring his footage for Terminator one year and he brought the four foot, you know, uh, exoskeleton, uh, automatic uh, remote control, you know, uh, uh, little mini robot and, and showed us how it moved on stage. I mean, those were exciting times. I would drive from Orange County up to LA and because I was drawing and trying to break in and sometimes I'd get amateur tables, I met other interested parties. Murat, now at, at Murat at 12 years old was probably six feet tall. The dude is tall. He's, he's like very tall, six, four, and I have never been anything other than five ten. So, so in my mind, you know, 12, 12 years old, and he's probably right about to turn 13. He looked 14 or 15, but Murat and I have been hanging out as friends for a long time. He, he came to be my full-time assistant in, uh, he told me the other day with, with, uh, New Mutants 94 is when he started transferring my pages, blowing them up on 11 by 17, putting them on the board for me so that I could um, ink them over. I draw them small. Again, I used to blow them up on a copy machine and get a nice 11 by 17 uh, in enhancement, enlargement of my little 8.5 by 11. And then Marat would light table that onto a, a 11 by 17 board. I Nowadays, I print it out. I hit the blue ink. Uh, application on my Epson printer and my assistant is my Epson printer who does what Marat did before a machine could do it. They didn't have, they didn't have this capacity. I think there was one time where I had a copy uh, salesman bring in a bunch of Xeroxes and we tried to see if the Xerox machine in 1991 would take a Bristol uh, board and, and, and print it out in blue ink, but we weren't there yet. We weren't that advanced. They kept doing it in black ink and smudgy and, but I'm sure Marat was like, am I going to be out of a job? He also filled in all my blacks, ruled all my borders. If I had, um, uh, you know, if, if they were um, structural backgrounds, he would ink them. Uh, like like line, do all the straight lines. Uh, just enough to keep an assistant busy. A whole lot of comic book talk. A whole lot of fun. Marat was there. I asked him when he was here, do you remember this with Todd? And he's like, oh yeah, it's exactly how this played out. When he was trying to get you to talk to Tom DeFalco. And so Todd's like, he wanted me to talk to Tom DeFalco to see if we could get into Jim's month. It was kind of the unspoken thing, but I think the idea was that our event would take some sales away from X-Men number one. I cannot be certain of that. That, that, is, my, that, is, my, um, that is my assumption based on a lot of innuendo, but this is probably where I should tell you that Todd and I, this is a sabotage is Todd and I at our most absolute mischievous. We were a couple of shit talkers. We were a couple of, uh, you know, we were troublemakers. We, we asked a lot. We demanded a lot. I'm sure that we earned our diva reputations. I mean, I'm, I'm 22 years old, okay? I, I, I'm already in the business for four years between Hawk and Dove and X-Men annuals and New Mutants fillings and then my New Mutants run and now X-Wars. I've already, you know, had a big ass career and I am in my, I'm 22 years old and you guys, you, you do have to laugh. I, my, my, my son will be 21 uh, this spring, spring of, of 2021. Uh, obviously born in 2000, so it's easy to track his age. Whatever the year is, that's how old he is. But I look at him this last summer, I'm like, I'd been working in comics two years. Like, he's 20, 
And I'm like, I had already been working in comic books two years uh, with when I looked at my baby face, 20 year old son, Luke. But uh, so it's weird. Uh, it, it's very strange when you kind of acclimate yourself to like what what you may have looked like at that time and felt like, and, and, and I can remember how it felt. I always felt like I was in over my head, punching, punching up from the West coast, trying to be heard and be, um, received on the East coast. But you guys, like I said, I've already, I've achieved it. I, my stomach is, is fat and happy. X-Force launched. People loved it. X-Force two is crushing it. Deadpool's blowing up. Cable has more love than ever. Shatterstar is adored. What, what do I have to worry about? So I politely tell Todd, yeah, I've already gotten into enough tanglement, entanglements and and uh, I'm, I'm not calling up, uh, calling up Tom DeFalco and he's like, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm calling DeFalco. I'm, I'm making the argument. And and he tried to argue as best he could that that his Spider-Man tie-in to sabotage should occur in September. And under no circumstances whatsoever was DeFalco doing that. I, I also, I believe that would have pissed Jim off and they were smart not to do it. They were smart to keep us at bay because like DeFalco said, it gives us something big to do, gives us some big event um, that we can push uh, for, for September. So we go right from, you know, Jim's X-Men, we go into, uh, we go into, to Sabotage where X-Force and Spider-Man, you know, are going to cross over. Uh, I've got to get it kicked off in issue three. And, and, and I have my, you guys have your, your X-Force Spider-Man Sabotage uh, trade paperback that collects all three. This is badass. It's, it's it, the first printing, which, is, which I checked and I saw this is the first printing came out uh, November, 1992. X-Force Spider-Man, they cut up my art and Todd's art and mashed it together and made it really cool. Sabotage. Um, really fun, really fun stuff. And, and, and I'm going to go through the contents of this in, in a second, but, but the buildup for it, you know, was this, let's try and wedge this into August and compete with, with X-Men number one. And that was never happening. But so once, once we understand that, that we're going to be an, our own event in September and you guys, they made a really cool poster. I was looking at those uh, the other day, I have just one. I need more. I've signed a couple of them in the, in recent years. Whenever anybody presents them to me, oh man, it's like it's 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 a nice horizon, you know, measured uh, uh, um, landscape, you know, uh, poster. It's nice and long. It, it it's technically like you know, kind of a sideways poster. Um, so we decide that the actual event to make it more than just you know a cool crossover, but we're going to do it sideways. Okay. So we're going to get the sideways in a minute because sideways, as you guys know, if you've been listening to me, uh, especially that Hawk and Dove issue, the sideways stuff is, is pretty funny. It, it, it matters. It's fun. Um, but back to Todd and I being mischievous, we just got along like a house on fire in our early, uh, days. Uh, Todd gave me a lot of, uh, Todd gave me a ton of, uh, direction. I've always said he's the best coach. He'd be like, Bud, you, you, need to, you need to ink. Ink it yourself. And, and that, that was an easy ask. Um, as long as I could hit the schedule, they'd let me ink. Uh, in, in, in uh, I think, New Mutants uh, 96, the, the, the only part that I even roughly did any sort of pencils on in Extinction Agenda, because I did breakdowns on, on uh, 95, like little 8.5 by 11 breakdowns that got inked by Joe Rubenstein. Um, in, in 96, the cover with Cable and the Beast, it's a fun one. Uh, I inked a bunch of pages in there. I I, I was going to start, because I know I'm going to ink 
98, so I got to, you know, start getting a quill underneath me. And there's some really fun pages in there that I was able to ink. And, and, and again, you're not only doubling up on your page rate. So maybe, you know, now instead of $180 a page or $200 a page, you're getting $300 a page or, you know, 250, whatever. And, but, but it really kicks in on the royalties. Cause again, there's only a certain amount of the pie for the royalties is only so big. It doesn't expand. And so you, the anchor gets a royalty cut. The penciler gets a royalty cut. The writer gets a royalty cut. And out of the writer, if he doesn't do the dialogue, the dialogue gets a royalty cut. And as we've learned, a, 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 a claim to creation cut, no matter who is doing the dialoguing, uh, the, the whole system is, is very interesting. So, um, you know, Todd is always coaching me up, do this, you should plot, you should write, you should, you know, you should do this and the royalties and he'd always, I mean, I'd never learned as much about royalties as I, as I did from Todd. And I know for a fact, Jim did as well. Jim, we both picked Todd's head. He really had the business head for the comic book end. I mean, Todd told me time and again, I never, ever did it. But if I did an original cover, not a cover that they took from my line art, which they did and made promotional posters, but like he had his Hulk promotional cover and he goes, but, oh, the, the, the yield off those posters is crazy. You, you got to do a poster. It's a moneymaker. It's a moneymaker. And uh, I just didn't have time in my, in my life to do uh, an original poster. I know Art Adams did. And obviously Todd did maybe one or two of them. Uh, I think he did do an original Sp Spider-Man one too that was rad. It's creepy. It's cool. But he was he had the business head and he was educating young boys. Because um, again, like I said, I think Todd is at least, I want to say he's eight years older than me. Um, so, 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 uh, you know, he, he, that, that, that's, I, I measure things every four years in high school. He's a freshman, sophomore, junior and senior year times two ahead of me. Okay. That's, that's like two cycles. Right. But I had a lot to learn and I was glad to learn from him, but here's something you got to understand. There's another guy. I will not name his name. I need to be very careful about this. I didn't know that Todd's doing this with everybody. I'm not his only Mark. And when I mean like Mark, like his only marker, his only like guy that he's investing in, there's another guy, there's another young guy that I, I find out that Todd is telling all the same stuff to plot, ink, demand this, be the writer, blah, blah. And I don't find out about this until Todd goes right around like the X-Force time. He's like, Bud, everything has broken your way. Ah, uh, it, it doesn't work that way for everybody, bud. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you think I'm the only one? You, 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 you think I'm, you're the only one I'm, I'm giving all this advice to? I gave it that blank. And uh, he got fired. He got fired. <laughs> and look, I'm not laughing at so many, it's the delivery. Because I'm like, oh my gosh. And at that moment, I mean, I was like, you, uh, wow. Because not everybody gets to roll up and go, I need this harumph, harumph. Uh, uh, then Marvel goes, yeah, okay, so you said you wanted to read, I'm lucky it didn't happen with me. I'm like, okay, I'll do New Mutants, but over here, I'm going to go write and draw Alpha Flight instead. Um, I'm surprised they didn't can me on my ass right then. Now, if that happens, you don't get X-Force. If you don't get X-Force, you don't get Image. I mean, it all it's all interconnected, man. It's butterfly effect, man. So, so, but Todd had been saying the same thing to another who knows how many, but he specifically cited another young Todd. Oh, Bob, he, he got fired. I, I tell him the same thing I tell you. So really funny in, in, in how things work out. And, and, uh, again, we were very mischievous. One time I, uh, didn't have a place to crash in San Diego. It was probably the summer of 89 
and uh, or, or 1990. And Todd and his wife uh, said, you can sleep in the extra bed in our room. Todd, I think, you know, wore down his wife to allow that to happen. I We had just gone... They had flown in and we had gone to Disneyland. No, 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 no. I remember, don't go to Disneyland. That's right. They said, no, we're not going. We went to Laguna Beach and and, and walked around the beach and 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 had a really fun uh, fun time. I'm a kid. They were a married couple. I don't know what they were doing with me. I, I, the whole entire time I thought, oh my gosh, Todd's, Todd's wife is so bored. But Laguna Beach uh, heals all. It was a great summer day. Eventually, we reunite down in San Diego and I think Todd... Uh, convinced his wife to let me sleep in the extra bed. Well, I, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're ready for bed. I jump in my extra bed. I'm so thankful to them. It, one of the nicer hotels down in San Diego, they're giving me a free sleep for one night. But there's a cartoon in the, the San Diego Comic-Con, uh, uh, you know, pr- program booklet. And they, they, they were making these program booklets like with cardstock, glossy covers. I mean, they were super nice, super nice. But um, Bob Burden, who you will all know is the guy who created Flaming Carrot, uh, had done a, a cartoon of Superman, Batman, and Robin, like a, like a political cartoon, like a one-frame cartoon gag joke. And I came across it in the program book before it was time for Lights Out in the McFarlane room. And, uh, and, and it, it, it's Batman running, uh, alongside Superman and, and Robin's head is in a, a tub and there's like goo and, and Batman says, quick Superman, we've got to get Robin's head, uh, restored, uh, before this, um, (laughs) before this tub of of ice cream melts or frozen yogurt, one of the two. And to this day, the sight of that uh, cartoon will just send me into a tizzy. I will start getting, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time just not exploding right now. I mean, it's the, 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 the gesture of Batman running and, and holding the tub in front and Superman running alongside him. Quick, you know, before, we have to restore Robin's head before this tub of, of frozen yogurt melts. It was just so random and you're like, I don't get it because of course you had to be there. It's 2020, you're listening to this going, what's up with Liefeld? But I show it to Todd, he guffaws, and now you have two male children, grown man babies, who cannot stop laughing to the tune of, uh, about five minutes later, Wanda, Todd's uh, amazing, beautiful, uh, uh, extraordinary, um, brilliant, uh, you know, genius wife in no uncertain kind of school marm term says, enough, boys, it's enough. It's time to go to bed. I can't stop giggling. My stomach hurt. I was laughing. This 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 tub of frozen yogurt, Robin's head is half bobbling inside. It's, it's shot to where you can see Robin's head is in the, the, the tub of, of frozen yogurt. And uh, I'm telling you guys, we were mischievous. We were a couple of clowns, okay? We are a couple of clowns, and I'm there. Everyone at Marvel who is listening to this is like, "That's what we thought, you couple of clowns." Um, the the uh, we were never Mama's number one, okay? And and that is a phrase I also got from Todd, 
who, when he talks about a certain, eventually I'll work my way up to it. It's funny because this guy now has regular interactions with Todd, but he'd be like, you remember Blink? He, he was never mama's number one. Never, never mama's number one. He never been, 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 been on the top. Um, oh my gosh. So, so we were not Marvel's, we were not Marvel's number one. We were not mama's number one because they, um, I, I don't think it's any uh, surprise Todd would tell you with the magic lasso around him and I would and people at Marvel would. Um, and you're going to find out when Image Comics is formed. Nobody from Marvel flew to my house to try and convince me to stay. Nobody flew to Todd's um, place in Vancouver and tried to get him to stay. But uh, an entire editorial contingent flew to meet with Jim Lee to try and convince him not to go with Image Comics because we were crazy and we were clowns. And, uh, and, and that is when you know that you're not Mama's number one. Mama's number one uh, had, the, had the editorial offices fly out to meet him, the heads of everything going, don't leave, don't leave. So I'm, I'm only telling you that because, look, that's, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, I wouldn't be comfortable with that anyway. I'd be like, what are you talking about? We were little rebels. We were little shit-talking rebels. I think you guys have seen that if you've encountered us over our careers. So the two shit-talking rebels are going to do a sideways comic called um, Sabotage. I kick it off in X-Force 3 which perfectly dovetails into this juggernaut Black Tom um, uh, storyline I'm doing. So, so in it, you know, Black Tom and Juggernaut take the World Trade Center hostage and threaten to blow it. And you guys, it has always been eerie since 9-11, since 2001. So I just, I just write it off to, it's just weird, is uh, that they detonate and blow up the, you know, Twin Towers. Um which is weird. Now, obviously, planes didn't fly into it, but it's still a, a detonation of both uh, towers at the World Trade Center. It, it's, it's how issue three ends with a giant um, uh, a splash page of the towers blowing up, and it's where Spider-Man picks up, where he's swinging by as the shrapnel is going in every direction. So that has always been extremely... I mean, right here in Todd's, from the top floors of the Trade Center, strong winds blow... The black billows across Manhattan. I mean, uh, we didn't we didn't drop them. Obviously, they didn't collapse into the ground, but the tops of the Trade Center blow up. Thack worm is the sound effect. Okay, but uh, I have set up this killer uh, juggernaut Black Tom uh, situation, and Siren uh, goes in, and we introduce her into X Force. Then and. Uh, if you're careful, you'll see Eric Larson uh, inked a couple pages for me to help me make the deadline. Issues three and four of X-Force, when I look back at this as I'm looking at them right now, are some of my favorite issues. It's when I saw myself, everything was coming together. Some of my favorite cable shots, faces, this double pager of them jumping out of the helicopter of, 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 is, is my favorite team shot. Um, it, it's my It's my... It's my favorite team shot of X-Force that I had ever done. And uh, I just, uh, man, um, th this was so fun to, to do. And, uh, you know, I, I, so, so I give Cable this really cool mechanized outfit. Now, I'm going to tell you one of the reasons that I was changing outfits on Cable all the time was because when I was a kid, and you guys know this, if you've listened to this show, you know what a big fan I was of George Perez's Avengers, more than anything, the Avengers that he did, whether it was David Michelini, Jim Shooter, or Jerry Conway writing it, George always put the Wasp in a different costume. He never drew the Wasp in 
the same outfit. It was like, well, she's into fashion, so she would never wear the same thing twice. And it was like a cool um, kind of uh, gauntlet that he threw down for himself that she always had this fabulous new outfit. George always had a really fun time. And I, I said, that's really cool that there's a major character in a major team book that doesn't wear the same outfit. So I kind of like the fact that Cable is not going to wear the same armaments twice. He started off with the Michelin Man tires. He went to the vests. He then went to the giant shoulder pads of X-Force number one. But by issue three, I've got him in this cool, let's call it mech, mecha, uh, kind of inspired by anime armor. Uh, still got the high uh, uh, shoulder panel paneling on top of the shoulder gauntlets. It was more like a sci-fi suit of armor. I dug it. Um, it was super fun to 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 put together. Um, I, I just this stuff when I go back and I and and again I was talking to Murad about it. This is when I it was just all happening easier for me. The more pages you get under the belt, your belt, the the easier it is to do the pages, to do the characters. One time, uh, if I mentioned this before, forgive me. I was talking to the illustrious Jerry Ordway, he of All Star Squadron, he of Shazam, he of. Superman, and of course, the amazing Batman 1989. Jerry's one of the most decorated, amazing draftsmen, artists, cartoonists in the history of comics. Uh, started out a kick-ass inker, embellisher, and became one of the greatest pencilers. Jerry knows I love him. Uh, he's fantastic. He told me at one point early on in Hawk and Dove, he's like, well, well how many how many issues, how many pages have you drawn? And I said, well, I think all total since I got into the business, I'm, I'm at about 130. And he's like, oh, okay, well, you got you got about another 170 to go. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you'll get your first real breakthrough around the 300 page mark. And then every like 100 pages after, you're going to notice like a huge jump. And you guys, I, I remember hanging up the phone going, another 170 pages? Oh my gosh. Okay, so like I said, I'm, I'm probably on Hawk and Dove 3 when we're having this phone conversation. And uh, Jerry was always kind enough to take my calls and 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 give me advice and uh, entertain my my you know curiosity, but uh, suddenly you know you wake up three years later and you and you're and you're you're three hundred pages, you're 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 twice what you thought you know when when Jerry told you that, but you're seeing it. You're going, oh my gosh, it's a fact. The more you do, the better you are, right? Whether it's basketball, football, uh, being a physician, okay. Um, you know, or being a comic book artist, and 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 these the, at this point, I really felt like I was just singing with these characters. I just had the very best time uh, constructing this storyline, and so it picks up so that Spider-Man can swing. You know, X-Force at the end of issue three attacks Black Tom and Juggernaut Warpath, and Juggernaut have a giant throwdown. Uh, you know, Black Tom. Uh, takes out Gideon and Sunspot, who are part of his hostage group. Cable blows in and has this killer showdown with Black Tom. But then everything is detonated because Black Tom's got the detonator. And my last, you know, two pages have Spider-Man on them. And then boom, we are into Todd's issue. And here begins the sideways. So everything goes sideways. John Byrne had done the big sideways book of the Bronze Age, Fantastic Four, that we had all grown up digging right before Todd broke in. John did the sideways issue. Um, obviously, I was still in high school, uh, but it was a big deal. Cover to cover, sideways. You guys know from listening to me recount history that in Hawk and Dove, I was following the example set by Eric Larson and Doom Patrol as that, those characters entered the chaos dimension. Everything turned sideways since we were following 
uh, Doom Patrol and Eric's work uh, w- w- with the Chaos Dimension and, and the whole thing with Crisis on Infinite Earths was everything was supposed to be consistent now. There was a new level of consistency that we needed to adhere to in the DC Universe. Um, I turned things sideways in Hawk and Dove. We're entering the Chaos Dimension exactly as the Doom Patrol had. So I turned everything sideways. And you guys have um, been witness to uh, the biggest overreaction, crybaby, man-baby uh, temper tantrum by an editor named Mike Carlin who wigged out on me thinking it was some weird attempt to overthrow his authority while he was in Florida celebrating the syndicated Superboy show, the one that I think had three different Superboys. I mean, it, it, that Superboy show is the um, epitome of cheese, not intended cheese, like Batman was intended cheese. But And like I said, while Mike Carlin decided to um, pitch a tent in Florida and, 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 and try and go Hollywood with the Superboy syndicated series, and he left my um, my assignment under the uh, the authority of his assistant editor, Renee, who I'd been working with the entire time, I do this and, and, and I get approved by Renee. But when Mike comes back, he flips out, he threatens me. I've already been paid for the job. I tell him I'm not going to reset the pages. He, and like I said, maybe the greatest overreaction ever makes my inker, uh, cut up the pages and, and, and from the layout and breakdown of the sideways structure, he had them restored to, from landscape to a vertical and you guys, that's so much bullshit. But those sideways pages, which I have in the news and notes, every episode you listen to on my robliefeldcreations.com site, there's a podcast menu. You click on that, you go to the Rob Liefeld Creations podcast homepage. When you go to those um, listings, which have these episodes on them, that's where I load all the artwork and the visual um, ac- accompaniments that we have for every episode. And I think I, I must have loaded every single sideways page in its penciled form for that Hawk and Dev issue. And you can see, I'm so proud of the storytelling. I can move your eye through a page. It's the thing that I love the most. And the thing that I spend the most time on is page layout and design. And moving your eye through a page is deliberate. It is um, it is intentional. It is, as Mike Zek informed me, the, 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 um, it, it is the reason that a fan closes a book and enjoys it more than the other one. It is it is like the invisible weapon you use with your great storytelling abilities. It is something, again, I pride myself on, but when you do a layout on a sideways book, it is inherent that that page be sideways. And when 10 sideways pages are taken from a horizontal to a vertical, that is ridiculous. And it was such a butcher job. So here I have the chance now. My book is top. We're selling millions. Todd is going to join in lockstep. We are going to do a sideways crossover. His Spider-Man and my X-Force 4 are going to cross over. They're going to be sideways. Again, this, the great thing about going sideways and Todd and I both exploited is you get your double pager is now, again, your double pagers become giant vertical shots rather than a standard double pager, which becomes a horizontal landscape shot. So these are great opportunities and you bet your bottom dollar we took advantage of it. And Todd's issue is a blast. I love seeing him draw Gideon and Sunspot and and and, and seeing him draw Cable and, and, and Warpath and Shatterstar. And he, again, he has he used his double pagers, one giant juggernaut with Spider-Man in the background and one giant Cable plowing towards us. Oh my gosh, I cannot even imagine um, but in Todd's issue, he decides, you know, Shatterstar's a badass warrior. He's like Gladiator, you know. He's like he's like Maximus from Gladiator. He he's vicious, 
relentless. It's like when Maximus goes in there and takes everybody out, pins them all to the wall with his blades, and is like, are you not entertained? And the guy's like, uh, you need to stretch this out and, and, and let the crowd and the audience get more money for what they're coming here. You're killing everybody too fast. Such a great line. Such a great sequence from Russell Crowe and Ridley Scott's Gladiator. But prior to that, by obviously almost a decade, eight, eight nine years, Todd decided, well, you got a double-edged sword. I'm going to have uh, Shatterstar um, stick the sword in Juggernaut's eyes. And Todd did. In the original line art, that sword is going full thrust into the eye. We are pushing it. We're trying to be R-rated. Um, we've, you know, we've got the attention of the fans. But Tom DeFalco and editorials say, under no, under no conditions will you be sticking that sword in impaling his eye in the way no entry wound they, 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 they then gave us this whole lecture on exit wounds are okay, but entry wounds aren't. So that's the Marvel playbook of 1991. And so they tell Todd, There's, we're, we're redrawing that. And they re-outfitted uh, the page so that the sword is not in Juggernaut's eye. It happens off-panel. You get a splurch, you know, an ah, off-panel blood splatter page instead of the jam-it-in-your-face sword that Shatterstar puts through Juggernaut's eye, which I saw. It's out there. I think you can Google it. Maybe we'll put it on the news and notes um, on my site. I'll try and implement that. After telling you guys to go there, I better put it there, right? Um, so so he did that to Juggernaut's eye, and Marvel flipped out, was not having it under no circumstances, and uh, and and that did not go the way Todd wanted, and it enraged Todd. It Todd really felt violated. Very, he's like, Bud, Bud, oh, they, they won't... They, they won't let me stick the sword in the eye. Uh, they're just changing it. And he's like, I've had it. Last straw. That was last straw territory. And uh, I mean, you know, when Todd left, he's, other than an Overstreet Buyer's Guide or, or inking uh, 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 a firefighter shot for the 9-11 book, I mean, Todd has not been back to Marvel. Um so uh, even then, they, they they had the eye be kind of bloody. It was supposed to like be completely taken out. But again, so it was like more of a slice than more of a complete impaling of the eye. But Todd used his splash pages, his double page splash pages to great effect. It, 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 you know, Todd and I, we, we have our chops. We're good storytellers. We crammed it with detail. And then that entered my double pager, which is a blast and hilarious that in this reprint your one of my double my sideways uh double pagers is just reduced to a single splash page but it it rocked ish page two and three of my uh x-force four i just wanted to show the enormity of juggernaut and this was the place to do it a sideways a sideways um you know uh uh, uh landscape horizontal shot that, that comes out like a giant vertical shot and it, it just showed the enormous size of Juggernaut. You're not going to get that because they reduced it, I think, for page count reasons. Um, the funny thing about uh, X-Force 4 and if you ever... They did it twice, both of mine. When when in this reprint, man, get the originals. I'm looking at this reprint. It's the first time I've realized um, when Warpath does the, the fastball special for the first time, I'm like, we're going to do our own fastball special. He's going to throw Shatterstar the way Colossus throws throws Wolverine. Um, this issue I had colored by a buddy of mine named Brian Murray, and he's really talented. And uh, when he did this, uh, the originals look fantastic. They were like hand-painted. But here's why X-Force 4 looks a little off. And guys like Ed Piscor on car cartoonist comic book Kefabi 
have discussed this. Let me tell you, back in the day, you would send your color guides in, but then they had to be separated. The separation process is what they do at the printer to get all the right um, denotations of the color. A colorist will be able to tell you this in, in better terminology, but I'm going to do it in layman's terms. Brian painted the most amazing hand watercolored uh, pages, but when he went to use the color guide that Marvel sent us, being the first time he did it, um, we he did not uh, do it correctly, and I, not knowing enough, did not correct his mistakes, so it goes off to the printer, and it comes out in this kind of weird pop, um, neon. I mean, there is definitely a million colors bouncing off each other in this thing. It, 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 it's semi weird looking, but it's kind of grown on me and the charms have grown on me in the years to come. But again, um, it, it's all part of it. In case you ever wondered, it's just cause the numbers, you have to put little numbers, literally the, once you do the original, uh, hand painted one and, and mostly on the originals, but we're new at this. You then write out like B19, B20, C20, whether it's cyan or magenta, and you know, all these different denotations. I know I have a couple of really brilliant colors from back then who listened to this, but the bottom line is the printing of the book was actually m ridiculously butchered. I'm looking at this one really killer, killer shot of cable coming towards us. It's towards the end of the book, walking, you know, left to right with his legs towards a final you know, shot with his face where he says, and I'll tell you how good a fortune teller you are. Um, really fun stuff, but it, 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 the colors are, are crazy. And that's because the coding was completely off, which made the modeling off, which is why you've got every neon day glow color on everybody. Now it's, like I said, it's become charming. It's grown on me. And, and, uh, one of the things that you don't know is, uh, that this is actually X-Force 4 is the third appearance of Deadpool, in case you were wondering when Cable shoots Black Tom down the elevator shaft. You know, Black Tom, I can't kill Black Tom, he's too important. I have him intercepted by Deadpool, who catches him and says, shh, don't say a word. Uh, oh, sorry, I, I didn't realize you can't, because of course his hand is over his mouth and Black Tom's been shot. He goes, uh, you're coming with me. Mr. Tolliver has you on his hit list. Mr. Tolliver was my, you know, job of the hut that I was building out the mystery of him. You'd heard so much about him. I mean, we didn't even see him until George restored, I mean, until until the sixth, the, the, the sixth, the third sequel, right? In Return of the Jedi, but we'd heard about him for, for, for two movies, which meant six years. That's where I'm getting the six from, 77. And then he finally arrives in 83. As a kid, you're waiting to see Jabba the Hunt, man. So I, I was drawing out Mr. Tolliver, the benefactor who's who's putting these hits out and and, and Deadpool is under his employ because Deadpool's a, Deadpool's a mercenary. And then he tells him, stop bleeding on me. Um, but this is the really cool, it's, it's, it's more than a cameo. It's a full giant panel of Deadpool holding Black Tom. But um, X-Force Spider-Man sabotage was there. It was meant to entertain you. It was two mischievous bad boys of comics deciding to get together to tweak our mutual sales, which you won out on because there is not a page um, that we phoned in in these things. I, like I told you, issues three and four, I really felt like I was coming on. My art was clicking in a way that I had never hoped. I loved the faces, the, the, the figures, the inking, my inking technique was, 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 was jamming. My lines that were leaving the quill were exactly as I intended for the first time. The storytelling was on point. Todd is drawn the shit out of his issue. All those webs and all those details and 
all those uh, the, the, the famous tiny micro lines that Todd is so famous for. And Todd, again, drew a great juggernaut, punching down, you know, uh, Feral and Warpath, slamming into him, Spider-Man, Cannonball. This thing is a treat. If you've never seen this, look, you know, you should grab X-Force um, 3 and 4 and Spider-Man 16, okay? And see what we did and see how that sideways event came together. Because again, if we're going to get together, let's make it special. And Todd knew the slight that I had that had occurred to me on Hawk and Devil. And he's like, Bud, let's do it sideways. We'll, we'll make it an event, an event sideways. And so we had our sideways event. Oh, they, they won't let me stab him with the sword. Okay. A lot of pain, a lot of pain on that page because that's not as the artist intended. That is not how the chef intended it. All right. So here's the deal. We, we did this out of love and out of competition. And there was no way we were denting Jim, Jim Lee's X-Men sales. But, uh, you know, again, are you going to call Todd Tom DeFalco? Uh, no, I will not be calling that. That's not a hill I'm going to die on. I thought it was great that we got the next month. We got our own giant event. We got our own poster. Um, uh, that'll be in the news and notes as well. We're going to celebrate this, but, but Mutant Genesis wraps up with in, in August, my third issue of X-Force, which goes right into Spider-Man 16, which comes back out into X-Force 4. Deadpool's in it. Juggernaut, Black Tom, Spider-Man, new suit of armor for Cable, all different crazy dynamics. The World Trade Center, we blew up the towers. How weird is that, right? But uh, you guys responded. I remember. I mean, that that, that was that we, we um, hit the sweet spot. I think it was the right event at the right time. Todd got to entertain his fans by drawing the new kids on the block. Again, you know, um, a badge of honor is how Cable and the company, um, you know, took to the top of the charts after not existing in any way, shape, or form. And uh, and then to see Todd McFarlane, arguably the biggest, you know, talent of, 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 of his time. I mean, we're all slugging it out. And we would talk about it. You guys, we were competitive and we talked openly about it. Um, I told you that Jim was 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 Marvel's number one. They loved him the most. Uh, they, they were mama's. He was mama's favorite. And and Todd and I would openly discuss it. And it just he had uh, like guys like Carl Potts, who um, Carl is an honorable, uh, the farthest thing that you could you could ever say from mischievous. Carl Potts is a very honorable uh, uh, individual. A, a very very very. Uh, he was a tough-minded editor. Um, he asked a lot from Jim when Jim got on the Punisher books. He even did layouts, and the, and, the, and I think Carl did storytelling for like the first five issues to help Jim's storytelling come together. And uh, so he was kind of a mentor early on. But Carl also is an is a badass illustrator. And you want to talk about like George Bridgman's anatomy books, and uh, you know that 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 I've referenced. Um, the, uh, the, the the this is a guy that that would draw great anatomy and correct and, and and there there's a whole side that that we we deal with and you guys have seen it online style versus correct okay here's the deal you know who draws correct and draws it better than all of you is john Buscema. he draws correct he draws correct with flair he draws correct with like a a little dash of frank frazetta okay um um a a a, 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 a little flash of hal raymond i mean some of the greats are in uh john Buscema's work. I mean, uh, the, the guy, um, is, is there's a reason he was chosen to give you the, how to draw comics, the Marvel way. I, I believe, especially now in my elder age, John, John Buscema and Neil Adams are the two best illustrators period that comic books has ever encountered. 
everything John Buscema touches, sci-fi, fantasy, superheroes, is exactly as it should be. There is a high bar that he always matches. It's brilliant. It's amazing. And uh, and obviously Neil Adams, same thing, except he, he, he brings this next level rendering that brings greater shaping of the figure. But John Buscema, holy crap. So, um, you know, whether it's... Uh, whether it's it's George Bridgman's fundamental you know uh, uh, figure work and structures, that's what Carl loved. And, and and there are people who love the correct. They love correct. They call it correct. Back in my day, well, he draws correct as opposed to stylistic. And I'm telling you guys, there's an entire legion of guys who told me that my favorite artist when I was growing up in the Bronze Age, well, how how can he be your favorite? He doesn't draw. Wait for it. Wait for it. Correct. Well, Art Adams didn't draw correct either. I didn't see people with extremely short um, trunks, like short, like waists and these, these long thighs and little ankles, but I incorporated that in the little wrists. Okay. Um, the way Art Adams drew in, 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 uh, in long shot and would later draw the X-Men in his annuals. I, I didn't see people with those giant bulging calves, calf muscles and the giant bulging, um, you know, uh, Popeye forearms. Um, but it looked great in the, in the super tiny waists. Okay. But it's comic books. Like I've always wondered, like, what is correct to the Japanese manga artist? Because because I've never seen people with eyes as big as they give their characters consistently since I first encountered anime uh, that that was from the '60s in, in the middle of the '70s when I was a kid that was running on you know on on television whether it was Simba uh, or, or 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 Speed Racer. Um, you know, Trixie's eyes were not, were bigger than most eyes I've seen on anybody ever, period. And, and certainly the guys from Gotcha Man, Battle of the Planets, all that stuff. I don't know what correct is to them, but correct is also a way to insult you and say that you don't do it the way it should be done. When that is 100% bullshit, style is style. And, uh, and without style, you don't get, you know, you don't get Doonesbury and you don't get Calvin and Hobbes. And you don't get Heathcliff and Garfield. And, and sometimes that spills over to cool looking humans. And you certainly don't get John Byrne. Okay. And you don't get George Perez and you don't get Walt Simonson and, uh, and you don't get Gil Kane and so on and so forth. But photorealistic is not, has never excited me. It's not the way I want to present my work. Um, it's, it's not something that I can't do. I can draw a photograph and a face with the absolute best of them. If you've ever seen, I can draw portraits. Um, uh, which I love drawing. It's, it's, uh, faces is what got me interested in drawing period eyes, nose, mouth. That's my deal. That's what I love. Um, but I also love style. I love the way things look in this make-believe world that we create on paper, the Jack Kirby people. I have not met people that look like Jack Kirby people, but man, do I prefer my comic book people to look like Jack Kirby people. So Jim was more celebrated because he was under the, 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 the tutorial guidance of guys like Carl Potts. And so whether it's Carl Potts or Bob Harris or Tom DeFalco, they had a natural affinity because maybe Jim drew the way they had hoped they could draw. Because as good as Carl was, I don't think he ever did a monthly comic. He did some graphic novels. Um, I think there's one called Last of the Dragon. He did some covers, maybe some one shots, but Carl wasn't a monthly grind guy. And look, Jim could do that stuff. Those His form was strong and, and, and what they would call correct. Todd and I had no interest. I look at some of these faces and, and some of these giant bulging eyes and these and these um, exaggerated noses. Todd, myself, we drew in styles. Those styles connected. They connected with you. We are indebted to you for celebrating our work 
and for, for loving what we did and for showing up for Sabotage. Sabotage was a blast. I hope that I have walked you through it. Whatever I forgot to mention, I'll get to in the next installment as we continue to, like I said, we are just going through. We are in 1991. A few episodes back, we were in the, you know, 1990. Um, we're just going as the steps take us through time, as I remember it, as things came together. And I just so happened to have been at the helm of a book and characters that made an impact, that topped the charts, that changed comics. And me and my brethren, whether it was Todd, my mischievous friend Todd, um, or my very correct uh, uh, comra- comrade Jim, we were having a blast bringing you these comics. Man, I hope you uh, uh, are enjoying our walk through comic books. I love sharing these things that you may or may not have known. I'm looking this over again. This trade paperback pisses me off. They took both of my double page splashes and just made them single size splash pages in this reprint. So that is freaking weird. But my favorite shot in three, which is a land, which is a, uh, you know, landscape, normal double pager. Uh, when the, when all the X-Force characters jump out of the plane, they, they got that at least it's, it's great. This is a blast. Sabotage was a blast. Spider-Man, X-Force, Black Tom, Deadpool, super fun. Guys, thanks for taking this journey with me. I am on social media at Robert Liefeld is who I am on Twitter. On Twitter, at Robert Liefeld with the blue check, full name. I didn't get the Rob. I got to tell you this each and every time because this may be the first time you're hearing it. On Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld. I get the Rob Liefeld on that one. Um, also, a blue check separates me from the phonies and the cronies and the people who are who are trying to imitate um, me or, and don't accept. I'm not, not going to ask you for money in some DM. That's a phony guy. If he doesn't have the blue check, that's not me. I'm on Facebook. I'm all over social media. Reach out. Talk to me. Let's hang. Let's 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 have a good time. I, I love hanging with you guys. As always, please take care of yourself. Stay safe. And we will talk again soon. Thank <laughs> you.